fellow disciples, welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that produce disciples of Jesus Christ who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes, and I am the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. And I'm Steve Manskar, Director of Wesleyan Leadership at Discipleship Ministries. And once again, this episode comes out on a Monday, two weeks after the one before it. Um, However, it's been a while since we've been together. Most people don't know what happens behind the scenes here, but we've been uh, doing quite a bit of traveling this summer. We've been at annual conferences. You've been across the pond um, so let's say a few things about what we've been been up to this summer. I've been at uh, three different annual conferences, my own North Georgia Annual Conference, and also got to represent Discipleship Ministries at the Greater New Jersey Annual Conference, my first trip to the Jersey Shore. That was pretty interesting. Really enjoyed that. Enjoyed meeting some folks there, some of our listeners, in fact. Then I got to, to go to beautiful Hofstra University at the uh, New York Annual Conference. Also got to spend uh, an evening in the ER that night. We won't, we won't talk about that. But other than that, I had a great trip to, to New York where I got to do a, a small groups workshop, which was a lot of fun. And I got to meet people and uh, talk about their concerns and questions about small groups. So that was a lot of fun. So, Steve, what what have you been up to this summer? Well, I, too, uh, was at three annual conferences. It started uh, early in June where I I was invited to be the Bible study leader for the Baltimore-Washington Annual Conference. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I bet. Um, It was great being there because I I, I served as a student pastor in that conference for four years while I was at uh, Wesley Theological Seminary. So I have uh, my wife and I, my wife actually went with me on that trip and it was uh, was a a really good time. Really thank Bishop S. Easterling for that invitation and the opportunity to to be with the people of Baltimore Washington Conference. And then the following week, I was at the Great Plains Annual Conference in Grand Island, Nebraska. Okay. Where I was invited to, uh, I gave a workshop on covenant discipleship. Okay. Really, um, gave the the same workshop twice back to back. Oh, interesting. In, yeah. a, in a morning, um, and which was very well attended and uh, had a lot of fun there. Met some, made some new friends. It's always good. And then uh, went to my annual conference in Minnesota, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. At the, uh, so in, where our um, general secretary, Junius Dotson, was the featured speaker. Oh, but that was neat, yeah. And I'm... Glad I went to his presentations because he quoted my book <laughs> and, <laughs> and even said he was quoting my book and said, is Steve Manskar here? Oh, <laughs> so, accountability. Yeah, I was there and it was great. Junius was uh, really, uh, the spirit was moving through him and uh, the people really responded to his message. I'm sure. I mean, he's such a great- uh, To see gifted, all the people. Yeah, and, he's such a gifted communicator. If you haven't heard our podcast interview with him- definitely go back and listen to yeah that. and uh and then as you said yes i have been across the pond doing uh leading helping to lead with my good friend um paul chilcote and uh, you know we had um there's the wesley pilgrimage in england right yeah. um so I, I do that with paul chilcote 
And then we've added uh, Fred Day, who's the general secretary of the General Commission on Archives and History, who's become a, a supporting agency. Um, we have Victoria Rebeck, who represents the general the uh, general board of higher education ministry, who supplies some funds for scholarships for nice, yeah. provisional elders and deacons and licensed local pastors. Funds that always helps. And 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 Fred, the uh, archives and history gives gives a little money that helps um, us to give some scholarships to uh, like lay servants and lay speakers. Yeah, to go on the pilgrimage. Uh, we had uh, uh, forty, no, thirty-five pilgrims. Wow! Um, our own uh, Jody Cataldo was my mm-hmm. pilgrim wrangler, who and she did an outstanding job, and it was great having Jody with us. And we had a wonderful group of thirty-five pilgrims from all over the United States. Um, unfortunately, none of our I had offered scholarships to, to you know, a, a pastor from Liberia and another pastor from the Philippines, mm. but for various reasons, they weren't able to oh, make too it. Bad. So I was very disappointed that they couldn't participate. But sure, um, we had this great group from all you know, all five jurisdictions were represented. Um, they were in the the small groups worked really well. We had great weather, and. Um, it was another very rich experience. And you do this annually? Or? We do it every year. Um, and next year, we're hoping to do two of them. Wow. Um, and this one will be a little different. Or at least one of them will be different. One of them will be different. Um, it's, it's, uh, the dates for that one are uh, April 26th through May 4th, 2018. It's an eight-day pilgrimage. And the fo- we're we're giving it a, a little a, a different focus on prayer. We're going to pro- focus on the practice of prayer as a means of grace, and we're calling it uh, Wesley Pilgrimage, praying in the Wesleyan spirit, which and, is a book uh, title, also. And which is a title of Paul Chilcote's wonderful book. Yep. Um, and I think he's got a new one coming out that's a follow up to that. Oh, good. So we're gonna. It's gonna be focused on, and, and this pilgrimage really. This one is designed for people who don't who who we don't qualify for the scholarships for the July gotcha. pilgrimage, and that that's those people are really most of the people that go in July. We have only like ten slots available for people who don't qualify for the gotcha. scholarships, which so are you know ordained fully, you know ordained full members of conference of elders and deacons and. And lay people who don't, you know, aren't lay servants and lay speakers, but who want to learn and get more, learn more about the Wesleyan tradition. Yeah. And, um, this, you know, we have a few slots open for them in July, but we have 25 available nice. for people yeah. uh, April 26th through May 4th. It's less expensive because it, it's short. It is shorter. It's a oh, couple days okay. shorter. So it costs like I think it's around five hundred dollars less than the July one, and the the cost of travel to England oh. in April is much less than it is in July. Okay, so good it's, to know. It also you know it's it's more economical for people, and it's it's basically it's y'all come it's first come first <laughs> serve the first twenty five people to register get to go. Um, y'all come. I'm glad you use the word properly. It's good to see a Minnesotan <laughs> use the word y'all. I, I have, after 18 years of living in Nashville, <laughs> I have learned how to uh, um, to use the uh, 
the terms y'all and all y'all and <laughs> fixing to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't continue that down. Lear, that learning to speak, still learning to speak Southern. So, <laughs> well, our theme today is going to be on accountability, and so let's start with some accountability uh, between us. The accountability that we, the beginning of the baseball season, made an outrageous <laughs> prediction that the Braves and Minnesota Twins would uh, repeat their '91. Uh, worst to first World Series run, and that doesn't look likely. No, <laughs> at least for the Braves, no. especially the Twins. The Twins have been surprisingly much better this year. See, they, we weren't. They, it's not a terrible prediction. They, it wasn't terrible, particularly when regard to the Twins. They started off really strong and yeah. spent a, some time at first place in their division. Yeah. So but, you know. Uh, but uh, they just don't have the pitching to compete at that level yet. But yet. they will. They, they will. will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next year, maybe. Next year. Yeah, yeah. They're always next, next year. year. <laughs> All right. So turning our attention, we, we've got our, our book of disciplines out. I mean, we've, you've got a hymnal out. We're getting serious now. Um, and as I mentioned, the theme is accountability. And, and you asked this question in our sort of pre-meeting um, the other day. And you may have asked it on the podcast before. I don't remember, but it's a it's sort of a haunting question. I'll let I'll let you ask it, and then we'll dig into paragraph two twenty one of the Book of Discipline. So your question was, do you remember? Is that the que- where I asked, should we be baptizing people? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah. Should we be baptizing yeah, people? That's... Which you know, at the first glance, you're thinking, what a stupid question. Of course we should, but you had a good rationale for asking this question. And I'll let you explain. Well, the, that's the question that I think we need to ask because if we're going to if we baptize, and I know we all churches, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but if we are baptizing and we are baptizing we people, are doing that, yes. And if you're, I assume also when we baptize people that we are using the baptismal covenant of the United Methodist Church as it appears in the book of worship and in the front of our hymnal. That if we are doing that, then the congregation is making promises, you know, as individual, each, we as individuals right. make, take baptismal vows, the vows you know, that are found on page 34 of the hymnal. Um, Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? And we say, I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil and justice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And we say, I do. I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? The person says, I do. do. And according to the grace given you, will you remain faithful members of Christ's holy church and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? I will. will. Future tense. And then the pastor says to the people, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and commitment to Christ? Right. We say we do. And then the congregation makes a series of three promises okay. to the people standing in front of them for baptism or 
reception into the congregation, perhaps transfer from another denomination, in which, and I'm just going to raise this point with pastors out there, when you receive people by transfer, okay, yeah. you need... You don't start on page 38 with the questions on reception into the United Methodist Church and that, you know, asking them, will you faithfully participate in the ministries of the, of the local church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? Which I think, I, I think I've seen the most and probably am, am guilty of, so. You need to go back to page 34. Okay. And people need to reaffirm their baptism first mm. before they are received in membership in the local congregation. And then the congregation makes these promises. With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. In other words, we will be role models for you. Mm. We will show you through our lives how to live in the, in the world as Christians. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their trust of God and be found faithful in their service to others. So in other words, we're going to help you find ways in which you can be in service with Christ in the world. And we will pray for you. And, and just to cut you off there for a second, yeah. those also should be, just by the pastor stating those or, or naming those, there ought to be some accountability just in and of hearing that again. Right. Yeah. And then the third promise is we will pray for you, for them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. So I think this, these three promises need to be made into a poster that is put up so that everyone in the church sees it yeah. on a regular basis and is reminded of the promises that we make, um, that these promises are all about the mission of the church, which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And it says that we are all responsible for helping one another live as disciples of Jesus Christ, right? right? Um, and so... Back to your question, you know, around we we have these paragraphs in the book of discipline. Who knew that start? I, I, I say that sort of sarcastically, um, but I didn't. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, it's, it's, until you sort of push this on me, I didn't quite grasp how significant this is. Paragraph two twenty one, which uh, accordingly is named accountability, and it follows paragraph 220, the call to ministry of all the baptized. So I'll let you read 221. Well, 221.1 states, all members are to be held accountable for faithfulness to their baptismal covenant. That's why I raise the question, are we doing this? Right. And if we're not doing it, then why are we baptizing people? Mm. You know, if if we're not doing this, we're, you know, in my mind, you know, maybe I'm weird. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can confirm that. <laughs> well, most people will. <laughs> but so is your co-host, so. <laughs> um, 
But I think we're saying, if we're not doing this, then we're saying really this baptismal covenant doesn't mean much to us. That's certainly the implicit message. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, since you've mentioned this to me, I mean, it really has haunted me a little bit um, about what we're called to be and to do. And and it also goes to the, the purpose of this podcast. Right. That... This, you know, all members are to be held accountable for faithfulness in their baptismal covenant. That's what happens in small groups. Right. In the Wesleyan way. Right. That's what the, this is ultimately what the class meeting was all about. Yeah. This is the Wesleyan distinctive for small groups. It was, it was about accountability to the baptismal covenant, but also Mm -hmm. support and love that people need in order to live the baptismal covenant, to keep those vows that we make. It acknowledges that we can't do it alone. We can't, and we shouldn't leave people on their own Mm. to live the Christian life, to figure out how to do it. That's why we have baptism. That's why the congregation makes those promises to people when they're baptized. Is we're saying, you can't do this alone. We're in this with you. And we're going to do everything in our power to increase your faith, confirm your hope, and perfect you in love. Wow. Well, as Wesleyans, as United Methodists, what that means to me is we need to have a way of connecting the members of the congregations either in, in a group or, you know, I'm, I, I would argue in a class in which they're connected with a class leader okay. who, who serves as a coach for them, for each person in, their, in his or her class, to help them, to teach them how to live as followers of Jesus Christ in the world. Because we live our lives as Christians, not in the church, you know, we right. live it as Christians who are part of the church, who are representatives of the church in the world. So we live our Christian life in our home, in our yeah, workplace, sure. where we go shopping, what, where and what we do for recreation. All of those are the places where we live our Christian life. And so we need the help and the accountability of the people of the church to help us and to hold us accountable for making sure that we do that. Yeah, and what, to me, what's fascinating about what you've laid out there is it's so different from the per- predominant model of faith formation in most churches, which is Sunday school. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least from our travels and, and listening to churches, I mean, that's if there's anything happening for adults, it's a Sunday school or a couple Sunday schools, unless you get to larger churches and then other, you know, things are happening. But especially with smaller churches, I mean, that that's about it, right? It's, it's, it's about information, it's about curriculum, and, and what you're advocating for is going to look and feel very different. For, yeah. for, for, for That experience is going to be different, right? And I think we've talked about this before, about the fears people go into having a, a small group that is going to be more accountability-based and focused. Right, and and, there, and we've talked about ways to sort of get past some of those fears. Well, and also I think we need to help people understand what we mean by accountability. Yeah, true. You know, when, when I think most North Americans hear the word accountability, 
they get afraid. Yeah, I'll say it's up there with they, authority. They, they, they associate it with bureaucracy. punishment, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? We Absolutely. we hear accountability. You're you're going to be accountable for that. That means there might be some punishment involved here, True. or yeah, yeah, yeah. or some shame, or yeah, guilt, um, guilt. And that's not what this is about. That's not what we're talking about. You know, yeah. and that's I don't think that's what the book of discipline is talking about here. It's right. accountability is simply giving an account of how you're living. Giving an account of how you doing with you know with your discipleship. With your discipleship. With following with, Christ. With um renouncing rejecting and repenting of sin. Yeah. That that's not something we do just once. <laughs> Preach on. <laughs> right? We got to do that basically every day yeah. or at least once a week. Absolutely. Um and we, and we need, you know, accepting the freedom and power that God gives me and you to resist evil and justice and oppression. That's a daily choice that we need to make. It is. And I think for a lot of people, those seem rather abstract, right? Those don't seem very concrete. And, and I think it then becomes a matter of ongoing conversation about what does this look like in your life? Right. And you used a really important word. You used the word coach. And yeah. I think we're used to the word teacher or maybe even facilitator. And I, and I think that word coach is a great model for understanding what it is co- class leaders are and what it means to really be a discipler is somebody who's coaching somebody in the way. Right. And in this, you know, a coach is simply someone who is farther along the path, who yeah. is more seasoned in the Christian life than you are. But not necessarily somebody who's got it down perfectly. I think that, that's but sort of off-putting no. for some people as well, is how could I coach someone else? I don't have it all together. You don't have to. Yeah. And I don't know many pastors who have it all together. <laughs> and we know a bunch of pastors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one with you. Um, well, let's. I think we're yeah. ready to kind of shift then a little bit in, in terms of something else that you've uh, helped me to realize. And it... It comes from the different kinds of members that we have in the Methodist Church. We have professing members and baptized members, right? And there's a distinction right. between those. I'm going to let you sort of expound upon that. Well, yeah, we have two categories of members. There's the baptized, who are simply people who have been baptized, which tends to be, you know, certainly children, who are baptized, children and youth, and maybe some adults um, who were baptized and who were never, have not yet been confirmed. Mm. And that's what happens in confirmation, Right is in confirmation, and it's usually done with youth. Although it is repeatable, right, just, just Confirmation FYI. certainly is a repeatable right. Yeah. Um, confirmation is simply a reaffirmation of the baptismal covenant, and it's and it's where particularly you know a, a youth who's been baptized as an infant claims their baptism themselves and takes responsibility for it. Yeah. For, their promises, um, and they take they make the same vows as were made by their parents at their baptism. Adults can do this too. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
And, and, I, and I, I see a great need in the United Methodist Church for adult catechesis. Absolutely. Um, so, so the, the connection then we were making, we were discussing, was the distinction that John Wesley makes between an altogether oh, so, Christian and an almost So once, once you become, you reaffirm your baptism, say at confirmation, then your name is added to the, the role of professing members. Right. And the professing members are the people who, the members of the church who are taking, who take responsibility for their discipleship, for living the baptismal covenant. And the congregation then needs to provide means for them to live the Christian life. And, and that's where class meetings, bands, covenant discipleship groups, um, Emmaus reunion groups, sure. um, study groups, all kinds of small groups need to be available to people to help them grow and mature in the Christian faith and life and supporting them in living the Christian life, again, in the world. Yeah. And so the professing members is what these paragraphs are about. Gotcha, that makes sense. And they're the people that the church, and the other thing we need to remember is your name is never taken off the role of the baptized. Mm, right, right, in the Methodist church, that's right, yeah. You cannot be unbaptized. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. So, but your name can be removed, can be, you know, you know, added to the role of the professing members. And taken off? And it can be removed from oh, there. Interesting. And, and that's what happens, you know, at charge conferences when, you know, that's one of the things that has to be done at charge conferences. You know, you review sure. the membership role of the church. And if there are people who have been absent for a long time or they've moved away, yeah. you've not heard from them for, I don't, it's yeah, been a you, while since yeah, I've done that. Yeah. But those, their names are removed from the role of the professing members, not the baptized members. All right. So take us on a journey then about how Wesley made those distinctions and then where he kind of well, got Well, one to way, it, yeah, we were talking about, there's a, one of Wesley's early sermons that is a, a pretty stark sermon. <laughs> in fact, it, it's in, uh, on, in the list of his published sermons, it's number two, oh. right behind Salvation by Faith. Okay. Number two is titled The Almost Christian, oh, yeah. in which he describes the almost Christian as people, you know, they're good, decent people who show up for worship and, you know, go to church regularly. They may even practice the means of grace, but their heart has not been transformed mm. by the grace of God. They've not given themselves fully to discipleship, to following Jesus and witnessing to Jesus in the world and being on mission with Jesus in the world. They're just sort of going through the motions. Um, these are the people that Wesley calls the almost Christian. Gotcha. And, the, and then there's the altogether Christians, which is the people who have um, had an assurance of, experienced the assurance of self, similar, something similar to what he experienced at Aldersgate on May 24, seven, you know, on Aldersgate Street, May 24, 1738, where he experienced that, 
that assurance of salvation. Right. And his life was, liter- you know, he was changed by that experience. Those are the folks that, you know, he would call the altogether Christian. Mm-hmm. But this progressed in his life. I mean, he had sort of a different take on this later. So then life. later in life, so he preached almost the almost Christian in 1741. But then in 1787, 46 years later. Decades later, yeah. He preaches a similar sermon that's titled The More Excellent Way. Hmm. He writes in that sermon, he writes about the same people, the almost Christian and the altogether Christian. It's the, the, one of the distinctions between those two sermons is in, in that early sermon, the almost Christian, he basically, well, he doesn't, ba- he says. Flat out. If you're an almost Christian, you're going Fire to hell. And you're, you, there is, there is no, there is no future for you in God's kingdom. Yeah. And so how does that change later on? Forty-six years later, in the more excellent way, Wesley, Wesley, at this point, he's um, a much older man. He's in his eighties. He's a seasoned pastor with much more pastoral experience with people Mm. and with God and with God's grace. What he argues in the more excellent way is that both people, the almost and the altogether, are equally saved by Mm. grace through faith. But he argues in this sermon to the almost Christian that yes, you are saved by grace. God loves you and you have a place in God's house, in God's kingdom. However. But why do you want to stay at this sort of beginner level when you can have this? Well, I said an embassy level when you can become a mature. A mature, you can have perfection in love. Why do you want to stay where you are when you can have so much more, yeah. so much more grace, so Peace, much more love. Fruits of the Spirit. That love can become your natural response to the world rather than fear yeah. um, and anxiety. That, and, and this is the way, there is a way you can a attain this. A method? Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what he argues in The More Excellent Way. Uh, which I think, which I think, is a much more pastoral sermon. It, true, yeah, absolutely. But also, then, as that relates to us today, it can be an equally motivating um, source for why to be in a small group. Exactly. Yes. Right. Why be in a small group? Because why stay? At, why stay at the embassy level? If, if you want to become a mature Christian, here's how we do this. Here's the method. Yeah. Right. Here's the method for growing in salvation. So, and, and that's really what these paragraphs in the Book of Discipline are all about, is yeah. that we have a duty in, the, in congregations, particularly as congregational leaders, to help and encourage people and give them the means to be perfected in love. Yeah, absolutely. Because we say we will do all in our power to increase faith, confirm hope, and perfect them in love. Yeah, and so going back to paragraph 221, I mean, the question you asked, we originally talked about this, is how do we organize the church to, do, to achieve this, right? And I think that's a really difficult question that 
um, churches need to be wrestling with is how are we organized to achieve paragraph yes. 221. So we'll, we'll sort of leave it at that. I want to add one last comment and we'll move on. And that is uh, something you said earlier as well is uh, those who are the, the, the most ready for account- accountability are often those that are least served in our churches. And, yes. and I think that's uh, a good reminder for us. So we do have a giveaway winner. It is actually a mutual friend of ours, Cindy Yanchuri, who's been very active in pushing us out on Twitter. And Yay, whatnot. Cindy. Yeah, Cindy is Minister of Faith Formation at Advent United Methodist Church. Egan, Minnesota. Egan, that's right. I couldn't remember where in Minnesota. So thanks, Cindy, for all your publicity. And please, we encourage our listeners to um, review us, rate us on iTunes, uh, send us your questions, comments, what you would like to hear. We're going to be having some episodes where we get to hear from churches who are doing this sort of accountability and holding each other accountable and, and get to see it in practice, and I'm looking forward to sharing those. So we look forward to being in ministry with you, and we look forward to hearing your comments and questions. And until next time, peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.